Welcome to the Now You Know Akron podcast, brought to you by the journalists of BeaconJournal.com. Each week, they will share their expertise on Akron and Summit County. Now, here's your host, Craig Webb. This is Betty Lynn Fisher, consumer columnist and medical reporter with the Akron Beacon Journal. And today I'm here with Dr. Gary Grossell, who is with United Healthcare. And uh, Dr. Grossell, are you medical director there? Or tell me a little bit about yourself and, and your background. Thank you for being here, by the way. Thanks for having me. And um, yes, I'm an OBGYN by trade, uh, retired from that. And I am now the uh, chief medical officer for United Healthcare in Ohio. And um, I've been with them five years now. And um, I take care of a lot of, uh, um, you know, members, people, patients uh, with a lot of different disorders now. So uh, my knowledge has greatly increased from back in the days of OBGYN. Sure. And tell me kind of what are your main responsibilities then, you know, as the medical director for the insurer? So what I do, I'm mostly the liaison between hospital systems and kind of the insurance company and and making sure that you know, number one, total cost of care is, um, you know, that we are looking at that overall and that everyone is kind of looking at that. And and also just being sure that, you know, we're, we're taking care of our patients the correct way and that they're, um, that e- even the, you know, hospital systems themselves are looking at everything kind of in, in the right way. We're trying to, we're trying to fix that medical system that is uh, a little bit broken out there. Okay. And uh, today we're here um, is part of the relaunch of my healthy actions column, which I was explaining to you is a, is a monthly feature um, where we talk to medical experts in our area and, you know, really just dive into a, a different topic every month that, um, you know, my thought is that not everybody has access uh, like I do to, uh, you know, great medical um, experts. And so we, we like talking about different topics that, you know, could help the general public either in general or, um, you know, helping them or maybe a loved one recognize that they might need to seek some care. So today we're talking about agoraphobia. Um, and I really, I was telling you before we started this that I really love this topic just because um, of what we've all, you know, what we all have and still are living through, right? This pandemic, this two and two two years plus pandemic, that you know may or may not become endemic, may stay with us, may you know this may be a little lull and come back. Um, and you know, I'm still sitting in my house working. Um, you know, we're we're kind of slowly talking about going back to the office. So can you can you kind of give me the definition of agoraphobia and let's talk a little bit about that. So. But really agoraphobia, think of it as it's an anxiety disorder kind of in the spectrum of the anxiety disorders. And it, it's when, um, you know, someone has an excessive fear of a certain situation that normally wouldn't produce that kind of fear. So, you know, it leaves someone just overwhelmed. They start having physical, social, psychological symptoms regarding it. And um, it, it, they really start to feel as when they can't seek help. They feel like, you know, they're in an area that, that um, being able to escape is just not there to them in, in their mind. And, and sometimes this is open places. Sometimes it's very crowded places. It, it's uh, long lines, um, places just even outside your home or uh, public transportation. And, you know, people just... Um, go into that kind of thinking as anyone else is, oh, okay, I'm just sitting here in this RTA system, but but they just feel like there's no escape. And, and, and that is, um, you know, the main crux of the issue there. And so it can be, it can be um, 
even just fear of leaving your house or once you've left your house, a fear or a, um, an anxiety of, you know, a crowd or a situation, um, that makes you anxious. Does it sometimes turn into perhaps a panic attack or, um, you know, what, how does it usually, how does it usually show up? Yeah, and that's that's exactly what happens. It's almost like a panic attack that is, you know, um, greatly increased where, you know, you might start to get signs, physical signs of, you know, chest pain, rapid heartbeat, feeling shaky. You start hyperventilating, getting lightheaded, flush, excessive sweating, and, and even you can have like GI symptoms. You're just not feeling well that way. And, and I would say the main difference of agoraphobia versus like a panic attack or, um, you know, anxiety is that it starts to affect your daily activity. Like everything you're doing is how can I stay home and not have to go out? And, and there are some things through the pandemic and as we'll get to that, you know, have increased this or helped people to continue to be agoraphobics, which is not necessarily the right way to treat this. Right. And so, yeah, I, I do want to talk about that, you know, to some extent, you know, we all have, you know, especially last March, right. Coming out of last March into the summer, probably, you know, when we were all told, you know, stay at home, don't leave, you know, don't talk to anybody else. Um, you know, and to some extent we all had to kind of, uh, still um, deal with some type of, you know, how do I re-enter society? How do I get used to being in a crowd of people? And so, you know, how has the pandemic affected this? And then I guess my second part of that question is, you know, what's the difference between, um, you know, somebody who is just, it's, I'm just not used to being in a crowd anymore, but it doesn't necessarily, you know, so I'm, you know, recently I was in a, in a crowd of people. And, and I probably was anxious to think about it. But then once I was there, it felt so good to be kind of, you know, feel like, <laughs> you know, it COVID right, right. Because we were all vaccinated, you know, so talk to me a little bit about that. Like, what's the, you know, how has the pandemic affected this? Yeah. So um, for the most part, the pandemic has really increased um, agoraphobia and, you know, in some ways, agoraphobics felt more comfortable because, hey, I'm, I'm now allowed to stay home and it's actually a good thing and people are, are looking for this. But but as we come to find out, it's really the avoiding situations is the wrong thing to do for agoraphobics. You, you actually have to get out into situations to not let it keep increasing. And, you know, the... um the pandemic, you know, allowed um, this to proliferate. And, um, you know, there are things with even uh, technology that increased this during the pandemic, like food delivery services, where before you had to go to the grocery store or to a restaurant or whatever. And now it's like, oh, they can just drop it off. Great. Put it on the front step. I won't even see you and I can bring it in, you know, so things like that. And even even a great thing like telehealth, which we are encouraging, and it's mostly like for agoraphobics, it's, um, you know, you want to start with telehealth and then gradually bring someone in to the office and be face to face. But, um, you know, it's it's a tough go sometimes. And even convincing someone to go to the office or make an appointment, you might have to start with telehealth. But that, you know, if that's all you're doing is telehealth, then that's an issue. 
Right. And I mean, in terms of, you know, you, you've almost got a double whammy of somebody who would be anxious of a crowd or seeing someone and then anxious of COVID still, um, or right. Just of exactly. And, and, and I should, I should mention that. I mean, that's one of the, the main reasons that we're, we're getting new agoraphobics is because that uncertainty and that fear of getting, uh, you know, the coronavirus and they're calling it, you know, quote, coronaphobia kind of thing. But, but it, it's a, it's a true thing. I mean, people are dying from COVID and, you know, it, it's, we're kind of coming out of all of that, but it's still there. The fear is there. And, um, you know, in, in order to, um, you know, to get over this, the earlier an agoraphobic can seek treatment, the better. You have a better chance of um, of getting through it and, and actually almost becoming uh, desensitized to it in a way. And that's one of the the treatment options that are that are used. But yeah, no, it's I completely agree with you. The pandemic is is tough because you know people are just afraid to to get COVID. Right. So um, I don't know which one you want to go to first. If you want to talk about just some general tips that people might use first, and then maybe we'll talk about, you know, when, um, you know, when is it that you should seek care? Um, so maybe let's just start with some tips first, because I think that your tips could be, you know, wide ranging to people who, again, just have kind of maybe some mild um caution uh, about, you know, reentering um, society in a normal way here after, uh, you know. Right. And, and yeah, and I completely agree, you know, on, on those that are just like, I'm a little nervous going back to work. I'm a little nervous about going out, you know, just some lifestyle changes that, that right. might be able to help you out, you know, and, and, you know, moderation is always the right thing. So, you know, eat healthy, eat in moderation, exercise, exercise in moderation. You don't have to go to a gym or, or be running a marathon, but, but just, you know, 30 minutes of even getting outside and walking in the fresh air. I mean, that, those are great things to do. Um, practice breathing exercises, uh, getting into yoga, meditation, things that just calm you in situations that you might have become very, um, anxious about, uh, you know, in the past and, and, uh, avoiding alcohol and caffeine. Sometimes those are, um, you know, uh, Sources that can cause an increase in anxiety as well, um, and and you know then we get into even you know kind of avoiding that social media and news that constantly is giving you you know bad news about COVID and people dying and this and that you know maybe limiting that again moderation uh, um, with with some of that so you're not constantly bombarded with things that are going bad outside the home. Mm-hmm. Do you think also, you know, you were mentioning going out for a walk. I mean, clearly you could do that by yourself or you could maybe do that with a trusted friend. Uh, it, would it maybe be good to even just kind of dip your toe in the water a little bit and maybe, you know, invite some friends over or, uh, you know, try to maybe meet, you know, one or two friends at a restaurant or on a patio instead of like um, buying a ticket to a concert and going with 300 other people? <laughs> Exactly. I mean, that that's, again, starting slow, bringing yourself, you know, it, the best thing is just what you mentioned is going on that walk with a, another friend or two and just starting that way mm-hmm. then bringing them into the home or onto the patio and, you know, with with maybe a few more friends. So so definitely instead of going out into that huge crowd, I mean, to be thrown into that just might increase anxiety even more. But to slowly and gradually, you know, 
desensitize yourself to some of those um, anxiety uh, situations that really promoted all these changes in the past can, can really help you. Right. Can you talk to me about, does agoraphobia have anything to do with depression? Um, you know, and, and I guess my second part of that question is, you know, as a friend, you know, I, I've had a couple of people who have kind of said, you know, like, I just don't want to leave the house or I'm just not feeling up to it. And, and I think some of it's depression. So I can't tell whether or not it's fear of leaving, you know, a crowd. And like, as a friend, how can I, how can I help? Right. I've, I've tried saying like, Hey, let's, let's go for a walk. Hey, let's, you know, how are you? Um, but sometimes you, you know, you can't necessarily get through to that person or how many, what's too much. Like if I'm texting them every couple of days and not, not hearing back, um, right, you know, right. am, I, am I adding to that anxiety by saying, Hey, do you want to talk about this? It, and yeah, I mean, that that's a great question. Great point. And, you know, it, it comes to, uh, the whole question of, why is agoraphobia not necessarily good? You know, why, why is it wrong for someone to just want to stay inside all the time? And, 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 the, and the issue is that it leads to loneliness, depression, and alcoholism. So, so the agoraphobia itself can lead to these other issues that can be even more of a major problem than just, quote, this one diagnosis of agoraphobia. Because, because you're, you know, it's normal for us to be social and to talk to others. And so when, when those kind of things aren't, when you're not in that socialization part of society, you will start to, you know, have these things like loneliness and, and, and depression kind of creep in. And so, you know, what is the answer? And, and yeah, I, I think doing some of the things we talked about that are, are like um, just starting slow and, and somehow trying to get them to even go for a walk, like, hey, you know, I, I let's, not do anything crazy, but let's just meet and walk around the neighborhood for a little bit and just talk. I've missed you. You know, what, what can we do? Or, or even actually even talking to them on the phone at first or FaceTime or something just to, you know, see them or to talk to them may, may kind of help and start the whole, um, conversation of, yeah, you know, we need, we need to start getting out. That's, it's more of what we do as people. We need to do that. Right. And so you, you kind of mentioned it a little bit before, but at what point, you know, should a loved one, um, you know, encourage somebody to go seek um, medical care for this? And then who do you go see? Right. And, and you know, it, it goes back to that when it's starting to affect that daily activity, like your whole mind, it, it, it's kind of like um, alcoholics, addicts, that all, all their thoughts are is how I can get either the next drink, the next drug, or how can I avoid, you know, daily living, getting, you know, not having to go outside, what can I do, and, you know, getting the food delivery service and, and you know, and, and all that kind of thing. And so when it starts to affect that, that's when, you know, you can start with your family doctor and, and start to give them uh, some of those symptoms who then can... Um, uh, you know, if they feel that this is, yeah, this is truly an agoraphobic type, um, uh, um, you know, diagnosis that they feel they, they can send you to, you know, a psychologist, psychiatrist, um, uh, someone that can just talk you through some of this, or many times they can, they can start themselves and, and, you know, ask more questions and get a little deeper into it. And, you know, some of the treatments then that through your family doctor or through a specialist would be, 
you know, medication, the the SSRIs and what those are, are um, you know, the the um, serotonin, um, the selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. And so they're like the antidepressants. But the problem in anxiety and agoraphobia is that there's just the levels of the serotonin are lower. And so what this does, it kind of blocks um, the, the serotonin, these neurochemicals in the brain from going into the receptors. And so there's more of that around and the brain then uses that. And, and so the anxiety is not quite as much. The depression improves. And that's why these medications can work. And not to say that everyone needs to go on this medication, but that is something that if we feel someone is getting to the point that they need something like that. The other thing is cognitive behavioral therapy. And it, it, we've kind of talked about it a little bit, but it's you know, using like relax, relaxation techniques or desensitization techniques or therapy that, that help you manage the emotions in these, quote, scary situations that you've been in. And, and over time, you can train your brain um, to, to start to um, go into a situation where before you became anxious and now you're like, OK, no, this, is, this isn't so bad. Um, they do talk about this kind of therapy. If you're not on medication with it, it can take about 12 months. And when you're on medication, um, it could be half that. You can be on medication and doing this therapy and, and you can get through. The, the most important thing is, is um, going early, though. If you can catch this early enough, you, you can get through it. And a third of people will be completely fine afterwards. A third will be... Um, getting through but still having times where they have issues in the third will will not improve that much at all with with and and, and i'm talking about 100 percent of kind of agoraphobics treated or not treated sure um and going back on one thing I, you know we may have touched on it but i want to ask you more directly sure. you know what's the difference between agoraphobia and anxiety or you know having an anxiety disorder or is it one yeah. is it a subset well it's it, I would say that, um, you know, panic attacks, anxiety disorder, um, you know, the with panic attacks, it's more of a short, shortened time frame where it will happen and then kind of be gone and someone can get through it. They're, they're outside the situation and all of a sudden they're, they're feeling better getting through it or they start to avoid that kind of uh, situation, you know, going forward. Agoraphobia is really a subset of, uh, a, you know, the whole um, you know, anxiety disorder, um, spectrum. And, um, but, but it's, you know, you get to, uh, you know, the one, the fear of something that, that, um, you know, that really shouldn't be there in certain situations. And, you know, risk factors, I, I can get into a little bit that help, might help explain this even more is that many people, first of all, that have panic disorders or anxiety, um, or other phobias, are, are more likely to become agoraphobic. Um, many times it's someone who experienced something uh, in childhood or as a teenager that was a, a, a death, a physical or um, sexual abuse or a, some kind of attack. And then they relate something with that situation that causes them to become extremely anxious or you know, get to the point where it's affecting their daily lives. You know, this happened on 
uh, the lawn. And so they avoid going into a grass anywhere. It just brings out that huge uh, anxiety part of it. Um, the, the other thing is that we're not quite sure if it's genetic or not, but it does seem like if there are other agoraphobics in the family that you ha- are more likely to have that. Um, and, you know, is that related more to environment or more genetic? And we, we just don't quite know that yet. And, but we do know that it's more common in women and in women less than 35 and in, in uh, the younger age. And unfortunately, uh, I would say younger people uh, seem to be more vulnerable as they're struggling with a lot of mental health, health issues, especially with pandemic and in that age group, it seems to be the highest um, area for, for mental health issues right now. And then we did talk about kind of uh, ways to, you know, work on kind of dipping your toe in if you don't want to leave the house. What about a tip like once you've left the house and you, you kind of um, get that, um, you know, that panic attack or that anxiety if you're in the crowd? Um, what, what should you do? And it goes back to some of the deep breathing techniques, the, you know, if, if you are doing some of the meditation, maybe using some of that in situations like that. If, if you're walking into an area where, where there's a large crowd, maybe kind of focus your way to try to move to, uh, you know, an area that's not quite as many people. Just, just, you know, uh, again, you don't want to completely avoid situations, but kind of slowly, gradually, um, incorporating into them and trying to use those techniques, maybe that can can help you uh, just feel more comfortable during them. Great. This is a, a really great stuff, Dr. Grossell. Have we, um, is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you want to make sure we do? Well, th- there's one more thing I'd say. If, if someone's sure. like, you know, I'm not quite sure if I'm agoraphobic or, or I, I don't quite understand it as well. <laughs> there's actually a movie or a, yeah, it's a movie on HBO called Kimmy, K-I-M-I, that okay. Zoe Kravitz is in it, stars in it. But she is an agoraphobic and it, it's, it, I mean, it displays it pretty well. When I saw that, I was like, ah. Wow, that's 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 right there. And I, I don't know if you, you know, you you can share that or want to share that, but it, it's a it's a very good depiction of agoraphobics. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Grossell, for um, you know for explaining this a little bit, and hopefully we've provided some tips for people, you know, everyday tips as well as uh, tips if they need to uh, seek some more professional care. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I appreciate it. 